Good afternoon, producer Susan. Is the summer's here. Have you had your first barbecue of the year yet? We have, and the first swim of the season. I saw that you had. Yeah, I saw on your Facebook page you took your dog for a swim, huh? Yep, he was a very happy little boy. By the way, here's a little summer trivia: when you barbecue, you use charcoal or or propane? Uh propane. Do you know who you can thank for charcoal briquettes? Uh Kingsford. Well, no, actually, Kingsford worked for uh, Henry Ford. And let me tell you, I, I watched on the History Channel. Um, Henry Ford, when he was making the Model T, they had wooden wheels, wooden spokes, wooden frame. And he had like 350 tons of sawdust and waste wood every year. And it just bothered him. They were actually paying to have that stuff hauled away. So he, he had his buddy Kingsford start a uh, charcoal business. You know who he, who he hired to design the charcoal plant? uh i was gonna say weber but i'm just joking no no his good buddy thomas edison oh yeah so that thomas edison designed the plant to make the charcoal out of 350 tons of waste wood and he let kingsford run it and then uh, at some point he decided to spin it off and that's how it became kingsford charcoal but originally it was henry ford charcoal and to get people in the habit of grilling uh he had his car dealerships sell little hibachi grills for a dollar you could get a hibachi grill and a bag of Ford charcoal for a dollar. And that's the history of charcoal in the United States. So you learn something new every day, right? Yep. All right. So let's talk about what we're going to talk about. Um, anyway, today is uh, June 14th. And by the way, you know what happens a week from today? Uh, it's the summer solstice. Summer solstice, the longest day of the year. So uh, enjoy the long days because starting next Wednesday, they're going to get shorter and shorter. You just depressed uh, a lot of people. <laughs> enjoy it while you can anyway our quote of the week is from thomas Sowell about the difference between telling people the truth versus telling them what they want to hear uh, the stupidest thing i've heard all week is about a woman who was late to work 47 times during her first 10 months on the job and of course she got fired however she then sued for unjust termination i'll tell you how a new york city jury decided her case after she sued her employer for firing her um I've got actually a kind of a, a corollary. I've got two stupid laws uh, that I've heard, two new contenders, one about illegal. It's now illegal to throw out stale bread or a piece of leftover pizza in your trash. I'll tell you about that. And in California, lawmakers want to give illegal aliens weekly, and I'm putting this in quote, unemployment insurance benefits, even though they were not legally allowed to ever work in this country. So we'll tell you about those. We'll bring you a clip from a Scottish uh, newscast story about a, chain, a transgender woman, again, woman in quotes, who was convicted of raping two other women. So this guy says, yes, I'm, I'm a woman, uh, and he's been convicted of raping two women. Um, you know, we've talked in prior podcasts about how the city of San Francisco is dying, how Whole Foods has given up and walked away, how Nordstrom's closed a couple of stores. Well, I think the final death blow has occurred last week, and we'll tell you about what two huge businesses are saying we give up and are leaving. Um, we'll play a two-minute clip from a Black man who's attending a, uh, a school board meeting where they're talking about adding critical race theory um, to the school curriculum and how this Black man just lets the school board have it, and he tells them that he and his children are not oppressed, and uh, they don't need to be taught about critical race theory. Um, we'll tell you about a new rideshare service in one U.S. city that offers customers the option of a driver who is licensed and trained to carry a concealed weapon. What do you think about that? I, 
think for those people who are comfortable with it, I'm good with it. Yeah, so am I. And uh, and by the way, in some places, you'd probably want it like that where there's carjack. By the way, Denver is becoming the carjacking capital of the United States on a per really? capita basis right now. Um, Washington, D.C., by the way, I believe the number of carjackings in, in Washington is up to uh, almost one a day now. I think they're shooting for around 360 carjackings in Washington, D.C. So you think we can squeeze this in? Uh, that sounds like an awful lot of material to cover in just 30 minutes. Well, let's see what we can do. All right, Thomas Sowell, and I, I love this quote. And again, we talked about Thomas Sowell. He's a black author, economist, philosopher. And he said, and here's what he said about telling people when you want to help people. He said, when you want to help people, you tell them the truth. When you want to help yourself, you tell them what they want to hear. What do you think about that? Yep, very true. Very true. It makes you feel good. When you tell people what they want to hear, oh yeah, they, they you know they and they thank you, you're you're good buddy because you told them what they wanted to hear, but you haven't helped them. So um, again, when you want to help people, you tell them the truth. When you uh, when you want to help yourself, you only tell them mm -hmm. what they want to hear. All right. So let's talk about the stupidest thing I've heard all week. So this woman was hired to be uh, the receptionist at a health club. You know, when you walk in, there's somebody there to check in, mm -hmm. make sure you're a member. So imagine that you were hired to work at the front desk of a gym and you were late to work 47 times in your first 10 months on the job. And of course, your employer eventually fires her. By the way, I wouldn't have waited 10 months. I think I'd have fired her. Yeah, three, three strikes and you're months. out. Yeah. Anyway. No, I wouldn't have waited three months. I would have waited three delays, three tardinesses. Yeah, and may maybe three weeks. Yeah, maybe three weeks. Uh, you know, uh, but anyway, so the employer, 10 months, she sued because she was a black woman. She fired for racial discrimination. The jury agreed with her and awarded her $11 million. Wow. Now, first, by the way, it used to be, and I and I teach labor law. I, I used to conduct seminars on labor law. It used to be you couldn't, if I hired you knowing you are a minority, you couldn't sue me for racial discrimination because if I was racially biased, I wouldn't have hired you to begin with. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that was the logic. But apparently that logic doesn't work anymore because the person who hired her fired her, claiming that. And she said, well, he was he was biased. Well, if he was biased, he wouldn't have hired her. Now, let's talk about the 11 million. Normally, when you get a jury award for uh, unjust termination, it's based on forward earnings. Well, if this woman was making, I think she was in her 30s. If she made 50000 a year for the next 30 years, that's only $1.5 So if you talk about future wages, her loss of future wages, assuming she never worked a day, another day in her life, would be $1.5 So I have no clue as how the jury yeah. came up with $11 million dollars in damages. Um, any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, that that's extreme payout. And again, 47 times. Again, most employers are under the, including myself, three strikes and you're out three strikes and you're out so i mean it's just that again that that's going to be the stupidest jury verdict i've heard uh, I, I think i've ever heard of um anyway now if you want to look it up and uh, maybe producer susan can put the link to the story on Absolutely. the website all right so let's talk about two stupid new laws one is actually in place the other has been approached uh, proposed so here's the one that's actually in place well if you live in new york city and you couldn't finish that last piece of pizza piece of pizza or you have four pieces of week old stale bread well from now on if you just throw it in your trash with the with yesterday's newspaper 
You'll be breaking the law and subject to a fine if you do. And here's a quote from the story. In a new move, in a new move to reduce the city's carbon footprint, the New York City Council passed a bill Thursday that will make it mandatory for residents to separate food waste from household trash. Get used to seeing little more brown bins around the city neighborhood ready for curbside pickup of organic waste from the kitchen. So after that law goes into effect in your borough, you'll be required to save that uneaten food in your refrigerator or freezer until the designated food waste recycling day and then place it in a special brown food waste recycling container for pickup by the city. Just what we just what the city of New York that's going broke. It's not like they have a rat problem or anything. Not like they have a rat problem and not like they have a lot a lot of money to have to schedule an extra special truck and special people to pick up food waste. Now, and while not mentioned in the story, think about this. In order to achieve compliance, this new law will undoubtedly have to result in the creation of hundreds of new garbage cops whose job and responsibilities would be to go through people's garbage looking for uneaten food mixed in with yesterday's newspaper, right? Otherwise, how are you going yeah. to enforce the law, right? Yeah. So garbage cops. All right. So that's, that's law is in effect. That's not even being debated. It's been signed. It's a law. So New York City... You can't throw your pizza and sushi and stale bread out with your newspaper. It has to go and you have to They're save. They're asking for problems. <laughs> right. Now, so illegal immigrants who cannot legally work in this country. So how about if you and your spouse, um, you know, are, you know, and of course, California is a sanctuary state. So say this, say uh, the state of California, you're an illegal immigrant and uh, they're providing you housing and medical care and they're educating their children. Uh, there's a bill that just passed the California Senate by a vote of 30 to 7, and it's on its way to the California House for a vote there. And here's a, a quote from the link story. Under Senate Bill 227, unemployment fund officials would be barred from, this is, first of all, it's saying they will be eligible to a, a apply for unemployment insurance, even though they're not legally allowed to work in this country. And when they fill out the application for unemployment insurance funds the bill and this is a quote unemployment fund officials would be barred from asking for claimants social security number eligibility or contacting past or present employers to verify their job status can you imagine so, isn't the, so the sole purpose of a social security number is for tax identification purposes and isn't things like this unemployment whatever right. they're calling it so what they're saying is, I, I just don't understand how they cannot even ask for social security. Well, the law is actually preventing the the, the officials of the social security ministry of nothing of the unemployment, uh, the the managers of the unemployment, whatever city, you know, state, county unemployment office you go to. This bill would bar the 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 people who work in those office from asking for any claimants, any claimants, social security number. Or for contacting pastor, all you have to do is say, "Yeah, I used to work at this farm picking strawberries," um, and it is it will be illegal for them to attempt to verify whether that's true or not. All you have to do is say, "Yeah, I worked." That, that's Senate Bill, California Senate Bill two two seven. Look it up, and producer Susan, I'll give you the link if you want to yep, include it. Absolutely. So what do you, what do you, what do you think about Again, that? Again, your, your tax dollars at work, this is absurd. And the majority of these people are coming to this country because they want a better life. They want to work. So let them work. They Yes, they want it. So by the way, if you're a couple, that's $300 per person each. So you're going to get yeah. $600 per week, 52 weeks of the year. That's over 30, 
thousand dollars. And of course, since they don't have social security numbers, it'll be thirty thousand tax-free dollars on top of free housing, free food, free education. And and for those that are not aware that it's not an uncommon practice for those border states like California, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, especially in the the garden areas, for owners, property owners or garden owners to just drive their truck around on the street corner and pick up the day laborers and they get paid cash at the end of the day. They're they're getting essentially getting paid under the table. So this law would affect them. They could then go and apply for unemployment. Well, except because because they're and yes, and if they work, that's one thing. Uh, but this law says that you don't even have to. They can't even ask you to prove that you were doing that. You can't. They can't even say, well, who did you work for? If you were a day laborer, you know who who employed you. And by the way, you can still go down to Home Depot at six o'clock on a, on, a, on a weekday morning and find guys there, and you'll see these contractors, roofers yeah. and drywall guys. They're they're still doing that, and they'll come by with a pickup truck or a van. And say, I need four guys, you know, or, you know, four guys to lay tile, four guys to do sheetrock. I know it's very common in the agricultural industries down there to just pick up. I need a dozen people to pick lettuce or pick avocados for the day. Exactly. Uh, But but under this new law, you can just claim that you worked and they can't verify that you didn't. Of course, you're going to get. So if you're a married couple, um, you're going to get six hundred dollars a week between the two of you and it's tax free. So you don't have a Social Security number. All right. I want to play a clip of a uh, from a Scottish news report, and it's a female reporter, and and she is unintentionally hilarious, but she's outraged. Uh, and this is a news report of a trans transgender woman, i.e., a man, who was convicted of raping two women before he suddenly decided to start going by his new name of Isla Bryson. And this female reporter describing the case is both understandably outraged. And, un- and unintentionally hilarious. And let me see if I can bring this up here. Here we go. Let me turn up the volume. And she's Scottish, so you'll hear the accent. A transgender woman has been found guilty of raping two women when she was a man. When she was a man. I'm gonna Listen back. to those words. A transgender woman has been found guilty of raping two women when she was a man when she was a man. Listen to those words. We're in big brother Orwellian territory right now. This is Isla Bryson. Isla Bryson is the name of a woman. A woman, as you can see on the screen if you're watching right now, wearing blonde wig and fake boobs. Isla Bryson began life as Adam Graham. And as Adam Graham, just a few years ago, shaven-headed Adam Graham with a Mike Tyson-style face tattoo, carried out violent sex attacks on two women in 2016 and 2019. Since being charged with those rapes in 2020, quite coincidentally, Adam Graham decided that actually he'd always wanted to transition to live as a trans woman. And he was treated in court as if he was a woman, despite the fact the crimes that he was charged with can only be committed by a man. Because last time I looked, Women don't have penises. Let me have a look down there. No, still no penis. She just looked down at her own crotch and said, nope, still no penis. I'm going to back that up. Here we go. And yet, the let me have a look down there. No, still no penis. And yet the court required that everyone referred to him as her and she. He 
uh, had a lawyer who claimed that he shouldn't even be uh, convicted because he was now a she. Well, he who's now a she is actually now convicted as a rapist and will go to jail. But extraordinarily, despite, as you can see on that picture we're showing you right now in his leggings, completely fully intact, he will be going to a woman's prison. Exactly. Now, what you mean fully intact? In other words, he still has male genitalia, but they're going to send him to a female prison. <laughs> That's an interesting development. Told that wouldn't happen, wasn't happening. We were all scaremongering to say would happen. Is happening, and it's happening in Scotland. That's where this case was, and it's happening across the United Kingdom because we are playing along with this madness. Trans people, people who wish to live their life in another gender, wear whatever they want, call themselves whatever they want, that is fine. Live your best life. This is not a, this is not a, a, a diatribe against trans people. Quite the opposite. Trans people are horrified that predators and sexual deviants and violent offenders like this man are using trans laws and trans rights to get away with their crimes or to escape proper punishment. The reality is, when we play along with the she's and the hers and the was a was a man, now is a woman, we give in to this craziness of allowing these sex offenders to pretend that they are not what they are. Men who are committing sexual offences against women. Everyone needs to wake up and stand up and say enough is enough. Producer Susan, what do you think of that? So, re regardless of take the trans part out of it i don't think that that matters because a man can rape another man a woman can rape another woman a woman can rape a man and a man can rape a woman so i think that that whole part of it needs to just not be a part of the the crime rape is rape doesn't matter rape what your sex is but the man is he's got an intact genitalia and he's been found guilty but they're going to sentence him to a woman's pri prison yeah, that is the interesting part. And I, and I am curious, I asked this question because not to be ignorant, because I, I truly want to know the answer. Like, how do how does law enforcement and does it vary by state? How do they handle that? And does it matter whether or not you've had the sex change or not sex change or you just identify as that other sex? How the last do you time handle I, that? Last in the time I looked, California, if you identified as a woman, in fact, they were male prisoners. And in fact, I think California had a doing about face because they had a whole bunch of male prisoners caught on to this because uh, apparently they had sent some guys said well i'm a print and they sent him and then a whole bunch of male prisoners in in male male prison said oh yeah i'm a woman too and they had a, a, a list of like 300 male prisoners who want to be transferred to a female prison but yeah so that's an interesting dilemma for the courts to or the prisons to figure out and and does it change if you have the surgery well i think you know if you have the surgery then i don't care but if you still have male genitalia i think you belong in a male prison yeah um so uh, and if, if and hopefully you can include this clip on the on the website because I think it's a great I think it's a great clip. All right, um, how are we doing on time? Uh, let's see, you are at uh, you got a good fifteen minutes. Good. Well, in in prior weeks, you know, we've talked about how San Francisco's dying. You know, we talked about Whole Foods that spent you know five million dollars to do a, a brand new store in Union Square, and after thirteen months, they give up and they said. We give up. We talked about Nordstrom's um, who closed two stores in the downtown San Francisco area. And I've got a, a shocker, but in the meantime, before I get to the, the latest shocker, here's a list of other stores that have closed. Union Square is kind of like the big downtown area. 
Here's a list of other stores that have closed in, in downtown San Francisco. Office Depot, uh, Banana Republic, Crate and Barrel, Abercrombie & Fish, DSW Shoe Warehouse, Marshalls, The Gap. Um, those are all pretty, you know, pretty big national retail names. Well, um, here is the, I think this is a nail in the coffin. Um, last week, we learned of the latest and largest companies to give up and try and do business in San Francisco. The largest operator of hotel properties in the city of San Francisco has announced that it will be, a, a keyword, abandoning the two largest hotels in that city. One of them, the 1,921 room Hilton San Francisco, the Hilton San Francisco, and the other is a, a property, a high-end hotel called Park 55 San Francisco, uh, which is 1,200 rooms. So between those two, now when I say abandon, they basically told the mortgage company, you know, the, both those properties have bank loans on them. They basically said, uh, we give up. We're not going to make any more payments. They told the bank, you can have both hotels uh, because you know we can't afford to run them and they're now worth less than we paid for them. So go ahead and foreclose. We're literally walking away from those hotels. That is 3,000 hotel rooms in downtown San Francisco. And they said, they are no longer viable due to due to declines in both tourist and business traffic. Now, uh, what do you think is going to happen? So, first of all, I think the fact that they they had they decided to walk away is indicative of how badly uh, tourist and business traffic has in fact declined in downtown San Francisco. I mean, to walk away from three thousand hotel rooms. Yeah. Now, what do you think the the uh, city of San Francisco or the state of California is going to do with three thousand empty hotel rooms? Well, if they were smart, they would use it to house the homeless. And if you put 3,000 homeless people or some of them homeless families. But it's, it's going to, without some sort of monitoring or regulations, it's going to turn into nothing but crime and vandalism and yeah. drugs I'm, and sex and Lord knows what. Lord, well, yeah. So first of all, it, it's bad enough. You know, nobody wants to go downtown San Francisco as it is. Can you imagine if you put 3,000 homeless people? um in downtown in those two hotels uh yeah again, again unless they have some way to control it monitor it yeah. you know it's it's going to be a mess and you may not know this uh jersey joe but the gap banana republic old navy and um athleta they're all owned by gap those four major retailers are all under the um gap uh corporate name and their headquarters is in san francisco and by the way athleta athleta was another one i didn't mention them but they closed that too I didn't mm -hmm. think many people would recognize the name Athleta. But oh, that's no, that's a, that's a Gap, Banana Republic, Old Navy, and Athleta. They're all huge names, and uh, Gap headquarters is in uh, headquartered in San Francisco. Yep. So, you know, the Gap has basically decided to close all of their businesses. And so I think what you're seeing is the, is the death rattle of San Francisco. By the way, Denver is going down the same path. Businesses are not renewing their leases. They're moving out of downtown Denver. Denver has a huge homeless problem, drugs, uh, people, you know, sleeping, uh, urinating and, and uh, pooping on the sidewalk. So downtown San Francisco is just, excuse me, downtown Denver is going the same way as downtown San Francisco. It's such a, I used to love going to San Francisco. It's a beautiful city, scenic, vibrant, no more. It's just, it's going to become a ghost town. Uh, so sad. Uh, and unfortunately, it's not unique. You've got 
Right. You got one city after another kind of following in their footsteps. And I yeah, mentioned talked about um, I'm, I'm going to Baltimore in a couple of weeks. And I think the same issues are in Baltimore. You know, going to the Inner Harbor was like a destination. You yep. know, it was you would look forward to eating crabs at the Inner Harbor. And now it's like you don't want to go there. By the way, uh, maybe next week I'll do a little thing on Baltimore. But you know why the in the, over the past 30 years, why the population of the United States has grown by 20 percent? the population of uh, the city of Baltimore has shrunk by 30%. Uh, businesses, jobs, taxpayers have all left, and I'll go into the reasons why, but uh, Baltimore, beautiful, once a beautiful, vibrant city, yeah. is literally shrinking. It has shrunk. Again, the rest of the country has grown 20%. city of Baltimore has shrunk by 30%. The only people left in Baltimore, and this is somewhat of an exaggeration, but what I've said is the only people left in Baltimore are those who can't leave because the ones who could left could have left have already gone. Mm -hmm. So what you've got is the people who can't leave. And I can go into more detail maybe next week on that. Mm -hmm. All right. So we talked about, um, and let, you want to talk about that more. You want to go on to where you can get a, a ride, a ride share driver that's packing heat. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that. Cause when I do travel, I do take ride shares. All right. Well, uh, in Atlanta, there's a new rideshare service company based in Dunwoody, which is just a suburb of Atlanta, that allows riders to hire an armed driver to get them to their destination. The owner of, and the name of the company is Black Wolf, owner's name is Kerry King Brown, said the idea for the company came from taking a friend's daughter to school six months ago. After just one month on the market, Black Wolf Rideshare has already been, the, the app has been downloaded you, you, do you want to guess how many people have downloaded the Black Wolf Rideshare app? So is this specific to just the Atlanta area? Just the Atlanta market. I'll, I'll go with a million. I'll be generous. Well, 90,000, which is still, you know, because yeah, you know how many. <laughs> I don't even know what the population of the Atlanta metro area is. Well, the point is not, you know, only one person in 10 uses a rideshare. So just so in one month, 90,000 people um, have downloaded the, the Black Wolf app. Now, Kings Brown, he is a professional bodyguard who spent years working for celebrities and politicians. Um, and all of his drivers are military, ex, ex law enforcement, ex military. They're all licensed, concealed carry, and all trained, uh, and all trained. So that's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how that business grows and if it's successful in Atlanta, if he's going to branch out into, uh, into other cities. So we're going to have to watch that one and give you an update. Yeah. And if I, go to Atlanta. I'll definitely check them out. Yeah. Black Wolf. You have to download the app. All right. Yeah. I just say they, they are touting themselves as the personal protection ride hailing app. Yep. So and you they specialize uh, in ride experiences for children, women, and men who want peace of mind. Hey, that, you know, that's, yeah, that's your, your target audience, right? Yeah. All right. How much time we got? Uh, you have uh, about 10 minutes. All right, good. We get it. We don't have to rush this. All right. Here's a black man. He's a father. His kids are in school and he's at a school board meeting. And uh, the school board is uh, talking about uh, in introducing critical race theory. Um, and here's this black man giving the school board a piece of his mind. Here we go. I am the direct descendant of the North American slave trade. Both my parents are black. All four of my grandparents are black. All eight of my great great grandparents, all 16 of my great greats. On my mother's side, my ancestors were enslaved in Alabama. On my father's side, we were enslaved in Texas. I am not oppressed. I'm not oppressed, and I'm not a victim. 
I'm neither a prince nor a victim. I travel all across this country of ours. And I check into hotels, and I fly commercially, and I walk into retail establishments, and I order food in restaurants. I go wherever I want, whenever I want. I am treated with kindness, dignity, and respect. Literally, comes to cost. I have three children. They are not oppressed either, although they are victims. I taught my children they are victims of three things. Their own ignorance, their own laziness, and their own poor decision-making. That is all. My children. We are victims of America. We are not victims of some unseen 190-year-old force that kind of floats around in the ether. Critical race theory into our classrooms is taking our nation in the wrong direction. Racism in America would by and large be dead today if it were not for certain people and institutions keeping it on life support. And sadly, Milo, I think that's huge. You said racism would be dead if it wasn't for people keeping it on life support. Uh, we'll come back to that. Sadly, one of those institutions is the American education system. Nothing more damaging to a society than to tell a baby born today that she has grievances against another baby born today simply because of what their ancestors may have done two centuries ago. There is simply no point in doing that to our children. And putting critical race theory into our classrooms in part does that. Putting critical race theory into our classrooms is not combating racism, it's fanning the flames of what little embers are left. I encourage you to support this resolution. Let racism die the death it deserves now, I believe that's one of the most eloquent and con concise uh, statements I've ever heard. What's, what's your reaction to what that gentleman said? Yeah, you know, I mean, critical race theory is, is controversial being taught in schools. And I think if done properly, it can be taught because it, it's, it's, how, it's how we got here today. It's the social and the political landscape of how did we get here? And I think... And I think it can very easily be taken down the wrong path. So I think if it's done properly, it it could and should be taught, but it has to be done properly. Well, by the way, and here's a little side note. In Florida, people think that uh, Governor DeSantis has outlawed. Uh, what he did is the, DeSantis actually signed a law that mandates the history, the teaching of black history, the history yeah. of slavery. But critical race theory goes into, you know, uh, that. And you're still being oppressed, and this is systemic racism. By the way, there will always be bigots in this country. A hundred years, five hundred years. Unfortunately, you know, there will be. There, there. But does that make it systemic? As this gentleman said, he, he checks into hotels, he goes to restaurants, he's treated with courtesy and respect. Yeah, are are there a couple of million bigots in this country? Absolutely. But does that mean, you know, how do you define systemic? Mm -hmm. um, and and you know, so if it's two percent of the population, or three percent, I even you know whatever it is does that mean but if you know the majority of these people in, are in this country are not racist should we be teaching little children that you're oppressed and you're a victim of you know you're a victim of uh -huh. systemic racism and that's yeah. the, i think the problem he has and i have with the uh critical race theory as it's been as it's been being taught is that mm -hmm. you're a victim 
I, I don't. And think on the other hand, the irony is that people are opposed to science teachers teaching evolution in the classroom. Yep, which is wrong as well. Um, you know, I think if you want to say, hey, here's that you have evolution, you know, scientific fact. Um, it, it just bogs my own. But I, I love this guy, and I think he's probably more on point than anything I've ever ever heard. All right, we have time for taxpayer relief shot. Uh, you have about five minutes. Yeah. All right. So taxpayer relief shots. When a good guy or a good woman with a gun uh, shoots and kills a thug, uh, they save the taxpayers uh, the cost of a jury trial and, and going to jail for, you know, five or 10 years at a cost of 75000 a year. And I'll let the sheriff of Santa Rosa County, Florida, explain that to you. Here we go. Somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Hopefully, you'll save the taxpayers money. And that was the sheriff of Santa Rosa County. Now, we get to uh, Polk County. Uh, where is Polk County? We have uh, Sheriff Grady, uh, Grady Judd in Polk County, who, by the way, just I think he just celebrated 50 years in law enforcement. Wow. Uh, sheriff Grady Judd is a little, little more... Um, vocal on the topic here we go but we have received information in social media that some of the criminals were going to take their criminal conduct into the neighborhoods i would tell them if you value your life you probably shouldn't do that in polk county because the people of polk county like guns they have guns i encourage them to own guns and they're going to be in their homes tonight with their guns loaded. And if you try to break into their homes to steal, to set fires, I'm highly recommending they blow you back out of the house with their guns. Thank you, Sheriff Grady Judd. All right. Um, I've got a few more, but I'll skip those. I want to get right to this. This one comes to us from uh, Ascension, Paris, Louisiana. And I'm going to have to adjust the volume because the Reporter starts the story, then hands it off to the sheriff, and initially his volume's a little low, but this is about a man who's apparently high on drugs, uh, breaking into a house and getting shot. So here we go, and again, I may have to adjust the volume halfway through. Gonzalez man broke oh. into a home on Highway 6. Let me back it up here. The terrifying moments a Gonzalez man broke into a home on Highway 621 on the edge of Prairieville the homeowner killed the man. Elise Scorville walks us through what happened. A couple living here along Tiggy Duplessis got woken up around 6 a.m. Sunday morning to a car alarm going off. They looked outside and saw a man eating grass and beating on his chest. Then the man started beating on their door. This intruder was acting out in such a way it would make you think that he's not even so sure where he was. He was doing some really odd things. Sheriff Bobby Weber says 20-year-old Cameron Certainty of Gonzalez is believed to have used an illegal substance before the attempted break-in. Another 20-something-year-old loses his life over drugs. You know, just when we end the, uh, the crisis of fentanyl, killing our young and old alike, then we have this situation that reminded me of drugs back in the day. Sheriff Weber says the home is equipped with several security cameras showing the man punching a hole in the glass on the home's door. At that point, the homeowner fired one shot, hitting the intruder in the arm. That did not slow down Serenji. The suspect then slammed into the door again. That is when the homeowner fired additional shots. The homeowner felt, as I do, that he had to do what he had to do 
to protect himself and, he, and his wife because this guy was determined to get in that house. He was determined to get in. In fact, he did get in. He, he was found on the living room floor. Detectives with APSO Violent Crimes Unit investigated and reviewed the video. At this time, investigators do not believe the homeowner will face any charges. If you feel that you are in great bodily harm, or if you are in fear that you are in great bodily harm or even death, or if you feel that the person next to you, such as your wife, your kin people, a friend, is in uh, fear of great bodily harm or death, you have the authority and you have the law on your side to protect yourself and protect your family. All right. So he sounds like he might be related to Sheriff Grady Judge. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we we talk a lot about all these justifiable uh, stand your ground laws, um, especially in Florida. Um, but there was that one last week in Florida, that woman, that was not justifiable. Absolutely not. Ground. No, she shot through the door at her neighbor. They And I'm glad that she's been arrested and being charged. Absolutely. Now, there's, there's clearly there's there's a long it sounds like there's a lot of history there that goes on. But that was does not sound like it was justifiable and, and glad that she's being charged i couldn't agree more and in fact you know if somebody's on the other side of a locked door and you shoot through a locked door no that doesn't come close when your neighbor comes to knock on your door to talk to you and you that, and you shoot that's not no. a threatening <laughs> no you are not you know again you're on one side of a closed door you're she's on the other you you are not in fear of of death or bodily injury by the way this guy couldn't take a hint if you're if you if, if if you recall the homeowner shot him once in the arm and he's I mean, he said nah he kept on coming. He said, you know, like, you know, I would, if somebody shot me in the arm, I would take the hint, but apparently yeah. this guy didn't want to take the hint. All right. Uh, before we wrap up, anything you want to add? Yeah. You know, one thing we didn't talk about the big news on the Eastern seaboard is the collapse of the I-95 uh, in Philadelphia. And I'll tell you being a couple hundred miles away, I'm feeling the effects on, uh, I travel 81 regularly and the traffic uh, has nowhere else to go because there is no major thoroughfare, yeah, north, yeah, south north, thoroughfare north, yep, north, to the south. east of 95. Yep. Um, so the next one closest to the west is uh, I-81. And let me tell you, 81's feeling it. Yeah, a lot of traffic. Um, but the same thing, a lot of it's going into New Jersey too and coming up the New Jersey Turnpike. So yeah, um, yeah it's, it's. Um, I saw they cleared out. I think what they're going to try to do, I think they've okayed the, southbound lanes for traffic and they're going to have uh restricted traffic uh going north and south bound on those on that same side of the highway but instead of a total of six lanes it'll be uh four lanes excuse me yeah it was eight lanes they're going to have to take eight lanes down so they're going to share those four lanes with northbound and southbound traffic so it's going to be a nightmare so it's going to be a nightmare for the rest of the year people well, at, at least till six the, months minimum, six months minimum. You got it. Yeah. And all we're right. Running out of time. I'm sorry. And we're running out of time. We're running out. All right. Well, I want to thank you. Listen. And uh, how much time I got less than a minute, uh, like five seconds. All right. Talk to you next <laughs> week. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.